0: and welcome to a special bonus episode of More Than Politics. My name is Julie Varner Walsh. I'm your host. I come to you today in commemoration of the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. I was very near the tragedy that day. I've written a little about my experience over the years, and I thought that now that I'm podcasting, I might share those writings with you in a new way. So for the rest of this episode, I'm going to read two posts I've shared in the past, each adapted a little to suit this moment. Both are very personal. Both are painful. But they are what I have to offer. This day often comes to me empty, a brittle shell. I don't want to disturb it. I don't want to fill it. I just want to offer up some of my pain and then let it be. Number one. The Blue Sky Day. Nineteen years ago this morning, I was sitting at my desk in Crystal City, Virginia, about a half mile south of the Pentagon. I was a month into my first job out of college, working in a government office in a block of buildings filled to the brim with government and government contractor offices. I'd joked to my friends that I'd never frequented a more polite place in my life. Everywhere you turned, there were military personnel and former military personnel who held doors for you, offered you their seats, and called you Miss or Ma'am. To a nervous, small-town girl, alone in a big city for the first time, it was reassuring. The weather that day was absolutely gorgeous. I had noticed it on my metro ride into work. I had blinked at the bright sunlight as my train emerged from its Washington, D.C. tunnel, and climbed across the bridge over the Potomac into Virginia. I'd searched the brilliant blue sky for a cloud and couldn't find even one before we descended again, the Pentagon looming on our right. I had watched people get off the train that morning at the Pentagon station. I'd recognized a few of them. You start to do that when you commute on public transportation at the same time every day. Sitting at my desk... Happy and proud that I was settling into a real grown-up job, I was unprepared for the horror and the fear that the day would bring. Who wasn't? Along with the rest of the country, I soon began to learn, bit by bit, what was happening. First in New York, then again in New York. Then horror turned to fear. There was an attack in my own backyard. Then, was another one coming? Would it hit the White House? The Capitol? If it aimed for the Pentagon, could it overshoot and get us instead? No, that one went down in Pennsylvania. Guilty relief. Are there more? My boss made his way back from a meeting at our main office near the White House. Roads were blocked, and no public or private transportation was moving anyway, so he walked. He walked for miles at midday, an overweight man nearing retirement age. He looked so red-faced, exhausted, and stricken when he arrived that we were sincerely afraid he would have a heart attack. But I suppose that's what you do when structure breaks down, when you fear that the place you're standing in at the moment might soon be under attack. You walk, even if it's from downtown Washington, D.C., across a bridge to northern Virginia. You walk a route that is normally only driven at high speed in much traffic. And then there was the heartache of the World Trade Center collapsing. The slow realization of the enormity of the event that was unfolding around us. The tears and the near hyperventilation. The world turning upside down as I watched the streets outside my building fill with people. The highway clogged with cars that wouldn't move for hours. Police with big guns emerging from what felt like nowhere. And worst of all, the acrid smoke that hung in the air in it i felt the horror physically stinging the back of my throat and there were the questions not just who did this but is it over and will our highways or our bridges or our metros be attacked next will we be able to get home should we scrounge for food and prepare to stay in the office overnight should we evacuate And the loneliest question, where will we be safe? Much later, when it had been hours since the last attack, a touch of the normal came back. The metro reopened, allowing me to return home, albeit via a detour. We were rushed, without stopping, through a pentagon station that smelled strongly of smoke. All were numb, quiet. It was beyond strange to know that every single person I saw was thinking about the same thing. It was awful to know that our glances at each other were both sympathetic and suspicious. We didn't know who was at fault, or if they were done. The weight of it all was oppressive. But still, that sky was blue. It was blue and horrible and sickening. It shouldn't have been so pretty. It should have cried. That night, I stood outside in the dark next to my uncle, looking at the big sky from the vantage of his small farm, where I was living at the time. He'd brought me out there to make me look at that awful, clear expanse. Look, there are no planes in the sky. You'll never see this again, he told me. I went back to work the next day because we're not going to let those terrorists get to us. I crossed that bridge over the Potomac once again. The sky was still blue, but this time I saw large white clouds of smoke or dust or steam billowing up from the Pentagon. We sped through the station again, smelling the smoke. We would do so, speed through without stopping, for days, perhaps weeks. Every time we did, I thought of the faces I'd seen getting off at that station that morning. I wondered where those people were, whether they were safe. I never saw them again. The following day, I stayed home. I was exhausted and I needed to process what had happened. I think I'm still working on it. I know that my experience is nothing compared to that of those who escaped the Twin Towers, or who were injured in the Pentagon, or who searched frantically for information about their loved ones on that awful day and the ones that followed it. I don't forget that thousands of people were lost and that thousands more continue to feel those losses acutely. I know that countless people feel like their lives were ripped apart that day. Mine was not. I lost nothing more than some peace of mind. And yet, to this day, the sight of a clear, cloudless sky just about sends me into a panic attack. I don't dwell on the yearly memorials because I can hardly handle them. Rereading my journal entry from that day, hearing a mention on the radio, seeing a never forget bumper sticker or Facebook meme, even just thinking about September 11th, it causes the anxiety to mount. I have to switch gears before it overwhelms me. So then why do I tell you about September 11th? Because there's something therapeutic about telling your story. It counters the anxiety that always rises to the surface this time of the year. And because it's my way of saying never forget without relying on the memes that sucker punch me. Never forget. That day was real. Its impact lives on. Those lives were valuable. God bless those who were lost that day. God bless those they left behind. God have mercy on those responsible. And please, don't forget the Pentagon. Number 2. An Adult Grief Today, a child born on September eleventh, two 2001, is legally an adult. Today, our grief, like that child, turns 19. It is almost out of its teens. It is technically grown up. Perhaps our grief should be more mature by now, more able to handle the weight of what happened. But my grief, at least, is immature. It is still too young to handle the memorials, the publicly shared remembrances. Maybe yours is too. My grief was born as fear. For myself, for my colleagues, for the people I saw get off at the Pentagon metro station that morning. My grief took its first breaths amidst the smoke of the Pentagon burning a few blocks away. Before September eleventh, two 2001, I was privileged enough to never consider that large-scale tragedy was possible in my own life. Singular tragedy, yes. The parent who falls ill, the child killed in a car accident, but not the kind of tragedy that changes everything for everyone. Tragedy wasn't supposed to happen in a way that spills thousands of vehicles into every imaginable roadway, that seeps police officers carrying massive weapons onto sidewalks. It wasn't supposed to happen in a way that makes you want to get as far away from Washington as you possibly can, no matter the direction. And it definitely wasn't supposed to happen in a way that downs airplanes, fells towers, and covers a great city in dust. I never know what to do with today. My grief wants room to walk around, to take up space. But I don't know what sort of outlet to give it. I kind of hate the patriotic tone that the day has taken on. I don't like the term Patriot Day. I don't want this day to be festooned with red, white, and blue bunting. I don't want us to get away with blithe tributes to American courageousness or resilience or something. I want this day to be draped in black. I want it to be a day for mourning what we lost, for praying for the dead. Please, Lord, accept into your loving arms the souls of those killed in the terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001. And please give comfort and peace to those who love them. for listening to this bonus episode of More Than Politics. I hope you'll come back next week for our regularly scheduled programming. This podcast theme music is by purple-planet.com.